The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. In a world that can be challenging and at times unpredictable, it's hard to find moments to focus on what you need. Join Stephanie James on The Spark as she guides you to use your inner flame to ignite your best life. As a best-selling author, psychotherapist, transformational life coach, and international show host, Stephanie is dedicated to helping you create a life that takes you, your goals, and your passions to the next level so you can live a life that is fully lit up and fully alive. She believes that your life is meant to be a beautiful expression of the things that light you up, that by living your dreams, you give permission to others to do the same. Are you ready to feel alive and inspired to fuel your dreams and put a fire behind your desires? Let's ignite a spark in one another that will illuminate the world. The Spark with your host, Stephanie James, starts now. Welcome to The Spark. I'm Stephanie James, your host, and we are taking The Spark and we are igniting it. And today we're igniting it with Cheryl Aurelia. She is an amazing author, writer, and blogger, and an extraordinary spark. I am telling you, I met this woman and sparks flying everywhere. She is just one of those lights in the world. And I'm so thrilled to have her here with us today. We're going to be talking about her new book, Grow Damn It, The Feeding and Nurturing of Life. I love this title. And I can't wait to speak with her. So before I bring her on, though, I just want to invite everyone to just take that moment where you take that deep breath and just drop into your heart. We live so much in our heads. Let's take a moment to just take that breath, breathe into your heart, and maybe just pause for a moment and listen. Is there a message there for you today? Is there something that your heart's wanting you to know? And it might just even be that you're loved. It might be that you are not alone. We are all interconnected. It might just be your little essential self wishing you a wonderful day. So see what sparks are there. And then join us at welcoming Cheryl Aurelia. Thank you so much, Cheryl. Welcome to the show. Thank you for that introduction, Stephanie. That was beautiful. Hello, everyone. I'm really excited to be here. And I just really appreciate you inviting me on to Igniting the Spark and giving me this opportunity to um, make myself known to your community. Thank you. Yes. So great to have you here, Cheryl. And we we started chatting. I I had to keep stopping Cheryl because she has so many amazing stories. And we we got on before the interview. And I am telling you, I, I love your story. I love how this started. And you were sharing a little bit about you used to be a teacher. Mm-hmm. Yes, yes, I was. Well, I it kind of I have to back up a little. I was home with we have four kids, and um, I was home with them for about twenty years, just taking care of that, keeping the household fires burning. And then at some point, I thought, oh, these kids are all going to go to college. I need to get back in the workforce. And after twenty years, you know how that is. So I thought, well, I'll go back to grad school, and I'll you know, teach high school or something. So right when I was going through menopause, all my kids were in high school. 
I went back to grad school to just get a secondary degree and um, hopefully be uh, more, uh, you know, be able to get a job. So in, in grad school, you're required to do a lot, you know, 18 page research papers, a lot of writing and researching. And all of a sudden, I remembered this love of writing that I kind of set aside for all those years while I was dealing with some other things. And I started writing again. I was really, really enjoying it. And then this really amazing thing happened, kind of a game changer. My sister came over and she brought me this beautifully wrapped gift for my birthday in 2005. And she had me open it. And it was a book. It was called um, What Do You Do With an Idea by Kobe Yamada. And she had me read the entire book. It's very short, right there in front of her. And when I got done, it, we, we didn't really talk. She just gave me this little nod. And I knew she was trying to bring my work forward. She was trying to encourage me to go forward with my writing, which I was very scared, all the normal fears. You know, I didn't want people to think I was crazy or full of rubbish. And she was saying, take the leap. But, you know, I have to tell you, my sister's not great with encouraging me to jump. When I was four, she was six, beyond the age of reason. She told me I could fly. Of course, I believed her. I had this scar on my lip to prove it. Um, oh. the story's exaggerated. So you can imagine my hesitancy when she says jump, but I did, I jumped, I started a blog and that was really fabulous. I gave myself the whole summer. I said, I'm going to write every day for an entire summer. And you know, my sister's reading it, my mom, my husband, I mean, this is good. And so by the end of the summer, I'm thinking, okay, am I going to keep doing this? By then I had a job teaching high school. I was about to go back in and you know, your focus has to, is pretty intense. So all of a sudden, I woke up one morning and my numbers were just jumping through the roof and I couldn't figure out, you know, I'm not very technical, but I, I was looking through all my sources and I, I looked on Twitter and I saw Krista Tippett from the On Being podcast had read one of my latest uh, articles and it was a summary of her interview with John O'Donohoe, who had died unexpectedly and it was one of the last interviews he ever did. It was brilliant and I wrote a little article about it. And she wrote at the top of Twitter back, you know, when Twitter was kind of powerful, I love your blog. And then she posted a link to, to that particular article and she went on sabbatical for a month. And so my link stayed at the top of her Twitter feed. And the numbers just, by the end of the summer, I had like 5,000 followers on Twitter. I don't even know who these people are. And um, her reaching out, validating my writing, encouraged me to keep going. So I did, I kept going, kept going teaching high school, hanging out. And then finally, I signed up before the pandemic, days before we knew we were in a pandemic. I signed up for a creatives workshop with Zeth Godin. And all of a sudden, we were connected to these people like all over the world. And we're entering into this pandemic. We None of us know what's happening. We're kind of thinking it's a little fun, you know? Oh, we all have to stay home for a month. But having no idea what it actually was going to turn into. But it was this wonderful connection. We were writing. We were answering questions. We were connecting with each other. And they formed, uh, Zeth formed us into writing groups. So now I'm in this group of like nine people from all over the world. And we've been meeting for three and a half, four years. We're called the geckos. We're called the mighty geckos. And they were the ones that really pushed me into um, creating a manuscript and writing a book. And they actually were like, we got the book in our hand. You know, you just don't know it yet. And so I kept going forward with creating a manuscript and uh, I was just going to self-publish, you know, do it on like the summer solitus last year. And they said, oh, send it out to a few publishers. So I did. 
got rejected by my first batch of three people. But one guy wrote and said, you got something here. I think you need to send it out to a few more publishers that are taking unsolicited manuscripts uh, in your genre. <laughs> His publishing house was like, you know, murder mysteries or something. So I said, okay, I did it again, sent out three more. And I had a contract within the, by the weekend <laughs> with Black Rose Writing. It's a small publisher out of Texas. So that is where Grow Jam, that's the birth of Grow Jam and, and my writing career, I guess. It's so exciting. I absolutely love this story and the divine serendipity mm -hmm. that kept showing up for you and saying, yes, Cheryl, yes, right, right, right. Very unexpected. It is surprising. And what it makes you think about is how you can reach back and help somebody else who is struggling to do something, not quite sure of their skills or stuff, and, and to validate people because just the teeniest, a little bit of encouragement will push somebody to keep going forward in whatever work they're doing. Right. And that's what we all need. Just a little bit of validation. And it's like, ah, oh, you can just keep your work going in the world. I'm very grateful for Krista for reaching out. Yeah. Well, and talk a little bit in, in our first conversation, you, you spoke with me about how you came up with that title. Bro, oh, damn it. Yeah. It's the same gecko group. You know, I sent them all a PDF of this imagined book and said, don't read everything, just read a couple of chapters and, uh, you know, and then we'll, we'll talk about it and you can give me some feedback. And I was a little bit nervous, you know, about that, but I came back. It was, we, we each have a day where we focus on one person in the group and their creative project. So this was my day and I got in there and we're talking about it. And we have one of the gals in the group, Tasha is a film producer too. And she was taking a look at it and she said, um, I really like your organization. I like how how you've you know divided into chapters and and themes. And this is all good. I hate your title. <laughs> you don't like my title. <laughs> and I said, really? And she, and she said, let's toss this around. And so we started asking, what chapters did everybody read? Well, four of the people read Grow Damn It, a, 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 just because of the title. And they're like, oh, it was so unexpected what you wrote about, but they liked that title. And all of a sudden, Tasha just from the back of the group says. That's it. That's the title. And I said, you're right. That's it. So there, there came my title. Yeah. I love it. And, and we're going to be talking more about that book after the break. I, I'm curious for you though, you are such a lit up person as well. And so even off the career path, what is it that has really ignited these sparks in you? What, what kind of path has that been like? I've always been naturally curious about life. You know, I, I've always liked to take uh, my experiences and look at them and kind of, you know, dissect them like a frog in science class, right? What makes the heart work? Where's the gut? What's going on there? What's the liver doing? And so I'll look at, look at experiences and I'll think, what is happening here? What am I really learning? And even through the really hard things, you know, mentor, being with my mom as she labored, you know, from this life to the next, those are hard, hard moments. We all experience that you know, relationship issues, grief, uh, challenges, things that, that we are fearful of. Right. And, and what I started to notice was we're all in these same experiences. And when I write about them and then kind of tied up with a bow at the end of the blog, like, this is what I learned from this. I had this one gal, her name's Delene Walter, and she wrote on about my blog, she said, I love your blog and your musings. They're also poignant 
and they resonate deeply with me, especially during the last two years of COVID. She said, I feel like you say things that are rolling around in my brain, but I haven't put into a coherent thought. Thanks for making me feel not so alone. I'm betting others might feel the same. That just like hold it all together. It's like, that's why I'm doing it. I'm so I guess that spark comes from just loving life, enjoying life and uh, wanting to understand it better. And I, I do that with the writing. I never know. I write some story. I wrote one the other day. My husband is a biker. And so to join our activities in retirement, I decided to get on the back of a tandem and ride with him. And we've been riding all over the world, actually. We just got back from Japan. We're heading off to Barcelona in a few weeks. And we take the tandem and they have these companies that set up these, these little things. But he wanted me to strap, to, to, to link in my shoe to the pedal. Are you hearing me? Oh, your foot does not come off the pedal, right? Now, I've been riding enough to have watched other bikers in a panic, not get their feet unclipped and go tumbling down the road, right? So I have been resisting this, afraid of being clipped into something that I can't get out of. But isn't that like such a metaphor for life? How many times have I like ignored some little thing because I was afraid, right? And then it ended up being the very thing I should be doing to move me to that next step, like grad school. I mean, I bawled my eyes out the first day of grad school because I thought this is too much. But anyways, I clipped in. And when I did that, I wrote that essay and I started to look at it. And I said, okay, this month of August, I'm going to say yes to everything, everything that comes my way. And guess who came into my world? You. You wrote me a little note. Hey, you want to do a podcast? And I'm like, who is this? And uh, got your books and started reading your work and, and just amazed by you. But I would have never even acknowledged that little message you sent me had I not written that essay and challenged myself to say yes to the things I was kind of afraid of, like podcasting. <laughs> Again, it's like this divine serendipity. It really keeps showing up and supporting you. And what a cool idea to say yes. And great analogy. I love that, how life gives us so many examples of what we need to learn. If we just take that pause, I love that you looked at that clipping your toe in <laughs> like that is like making a serious physical commitment. You know, it's like the commitment we're afraid to do. And yet that beautiful thing of once you do, then it opened up this whole other world to you. It happens over and over, doesn't it? And then you find out, you know, a few rides in, oh, it's not that hard to get undone. Yes, in an emergency, I'd probably forget. But it actually makes the whole experience easier with your feet not slipping off the pedals constantly, right? So this happens again and again, right, in life. Most of us start to see that pattern of, oh, okay, let's go towards the things I'm afraid of because that's probably what I need the most. Yeah. And so do you work with other writers, Cheryl? Do you help other writers beyond Gecko, uh, your group? Or I guess I'm curious, how would you inform? I'm trying to think of the right word because so many people say, well, I love writing, but I'm not really a writer. I, I probably can't share this. Or what, what would you say to someone like that? Well, I have a pretty extensive writing community through the blog world, right? Most of the people that blog are doing it to create a platform of followers. And that's kind of when I started my blog, because I thought in the back of my head, maybe a book someday, but I was really 
kidding myself. Like I didn't really believe it, but I thought, so we'll do this blog thing. I'll, I'll, I'll develop a website. And when you do, you meet other writers uh, through that community and we support each other and they write books and I write books and I read their books and I give them reviews on Amazon or whatever on Goodreads. And they do the same for me. So you end up having a lot of people all in that same kind of sphere where, okay, we want to put our message out in the world, but we're a little afraid, but when you had was surrounded by people who are saying, go, 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 you do. And you know, you take that leap and you think, okay, what's the worst that can happen? Only my husband buys the book. Okay. So what? <laughs> Get it, right. And, and what you always ends up happening is someone finds a really good message in that book or someone reads it and it was just what they needed to hear. And it doesn't matter if it's just one person, that's a whole point, right? Then you've done your work. You've put something out there that made a difference to someone else. And, and so that's what I kind of tell people, start a blog. I have so many people that write on my blog that don't write. They're such good writers. I'll tell them all the time, you need to start writing out your thoughts. Just post a blog. And a lot of people are afraid, like, like I, my fear. I don't want people to think I'm full of rubbish. I don't want people to think I'm insane, even though I act insane on occasion. But right, it's a very fearful thing. Public speaking, writing, throwing a dinner party. I don't know things that frighten people. And uh, exactly when, when you get in there and get in that arena and start doing it, you find it's it gets easier and easier, just like flipping those shoes in, right? Perfect example. Perfect example. Well, we are going to need to take a quick break. And when we return, we're going to continue igniting the spark with Cheryl Aurelia. Welcome back to Igniting the Spark. I'm your host, Stephanie James, and I'm here with Cheryl Aurelia. So excited for this conversation. We've just been having a blast talking about life and lessons and really how you can ignite that spark within you. And that a lot of it is just to go ahead and do some of those things that you might be afraid of, but just go ahead. And, and I'm also hearing community being connected when we have other people there that are helping to encourage us. So whether it's a blog group or whether it's a hiking group or whether it's a spiritual group, whatever it is for you, it seems like when we have that extra support, we're much more likely to follow through and maybe even glean a little belief in ourselves that we may not have had to begin with. And then that belief can grow. So exciting. We're going to talk now about Cheryl's new book, Grow Damn It, The Feeding and Nurturing of Life, which I absolutely love this title. And it is, it's so eye-catching, you know? So, so talk a little bit, Cheryl, what is the importance of growing? Why, why should we grow? Well, interestingly, this, um, this Grow Damn It essay that I initially wrote about was <clears throat> about a sign my dad had in his garden. Uh, our whole life, <laughs> just little, he had this little garden and he had this little stake with the grow damn it sign on it. And what I noticed about, uh, about my dad was that was kind of his philosophy on everything, including parenting, right? Grow. That's, that is the essence of life, right? Where if we're not growing, we're stagnant. And then that's not good, like a pond. It's not good. So the book is kind of about survival, um, breaking through the barriers that confine us, 
but thriving, you know, thriving like um, weeds rooted in the soil. So that is uh, where Grodamic kind of came out of that that soil, that idea, that philosophy. That it's not it's not really uh, just a title, but it's it's the idea that we can survive our own traumatic life, our own challenges, right? And we can we can emerge with maybe an enlarged heart and that sense of humor, because I think that's what makes life just invaluable is living it with a large heart and living it with that sense of humor and curiosity, like you were talking about before. And that's kind of that, that, that idea my dad always had. And I think I, I got it from um, viewing life with a similar lens as my father. Uh, we see things very, uh, very much the same. I think too, like this life is not at all what I imagined. And I, I, I would think that a lot of people feel the same, right? you know, you think about what your life's going to be. Sometimes you don't always look ahead. Like all of a sudden Larry and I woke up one morning and we're like, we're retired. <laughs> We've never even talked about this. What happened here? You know, the pandemic changed a few things, shifted a few ideas in our minds uh, as we're aging, right? Our focus narrows with the more limited time span that we had uh, have. <laughs> Let's hope that it's like, you know, more than we think. And all of a sudden we're like, what do we really want to do? I mean, we've been saving every dime raising these kids for 40 years. We're going to be uh, celebrating our 40th anniversary in November. What do we really want to do now? And to make that shift, like to jump that shift over to, okay, now we're going to do some of the things we've always dreamed about doing and, um, and kind of live that life. And I think grow damn it. It comes from that soil. It's, it's part of like, go for it, do it try it. Even these really, really hard challenges in life, you know, how can we look at them as, as lessons? What do we derive from them? And, um, and one of the, one of the stories in the book is called true grit. And what had happened is I wrote an entire blog post and I saved it wrong and I could not get it back. I did the history thing. I, you know, could not get it back. I just get really fed up and, and, frustrated. And I tell Larry, we're going to go out and have a glass of wine at the winery and I'll come back and think about it. And we did, and we relaxed a little bit. I came back and what I started to research was about what creates grit in someone, what, what creates that resiliency to keep going, keep trying. And amazingly, our grit expands with age, right? Because we've picked ourselves off the floor so many times, we get better and better at it. Like our nose and our ears grow, so does our grit as we age. So it's like the one damn thing that gets better, right? Really cool. And so I did, I thought, okay, I'm gonna write this blog about grit and what it's all about. And uh, I, I jumped into experts and research about it. Um, but again, that's kind of the essence of the book to inspire people like keep going stay resilient, keep trying. Um, even though you fail, I lost the whole darn thing. It was about memory and aging. <laughs> Ironically. <laughs> Ironically. Right? Um, but yeah, keep going, keep trying. And I think that's kind of the essence of the book too. And it's not, it's like, I'm trying to let the future unfold organically to some, instead of tarnishing it with my limited ideas, like, and that's another theme that runs through the book. Just what do we want? What do we want? I want to you know, sit on the deck of life, wine in hand, listening to the chimes of my people. I want laughter to be our response to each other. I want 
to feel that wind in my hair, the sun on my skin, and my heart melting with joy. I mean, isn't that what we all just want? And part of that's in the book. What do you want? What do you really, really want? Think about it. Yeah. Gorgeous. You know, that that sense that you're talking about, I, I just feel lit up and inspired just thinking about that expansiveness that so often we keep ourselves so small, you know, and it is that thing of, okay, we're surviving life. We're surviving day in and day out. And that we don't have to be on that treadmill, that it mm-hmm. literally is as we can enlarge our view as we can think out of the box, we start expanding and we can create these beautiful things that we really want in our lives. So much of it is what we're willing to look towards, what we're willing to envision. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Well, and I love your story too. I mean, I have I have your books here. And, I, and just loving the same energy that comes out of the pages of your book as I feel when we're talking to you, just, you know, the resiliency of going through some really difficult things in your life. We all do, but you emerge from that with these lessons that are just invaluable from that, the spark igniting your best life and becoming fierce. The stories in there are fabulous. And it reminds me kind of of my writing, maybe aligned to some degree, not to this degree, but this is just so well-written, but that's the idea, right? becoming our best, you know, living our best life. Yeah. That's just it. And I feel like each one of us has something so valuable to contribute to that. And I think that's one of the things that you and I resonated so much when we got on that first call together is that shared heart. A friend of mine, Steve Behrman calls those of us that connect at that level cohorts Mm. or cohorts instead of cohorts. (laughs) <laughs> We're cohorts in, in this journey to, to truly bring all of these ideas together and to help each other grow mm-hmm. and to help, you know, that's one of the things from my film is we never know the sparks we might ignite in one another. Mm-hmm. I, you know, when I, I watched the film and that story where you're talking about all the things that you're holding and I won't say anything about it, but you're talking about all the burdens and weights that you were carrying at that moment. And then you're walking in this, this beautiful area. And you said, I had a shift and I just knew I needed to let go. And I just like got taken back by that. Cause I thought, ah, you know, I'm always like checking stats and checking this and what can I do to do this? And what can I do? And all of a sudden I thought, Cheryl, let it go. There's nothing you can do that's going to change anything, right? It's just going to happen on its own. And if you let go, you might allow so much more to happen. And that just, that message hit me along with all the other like incredible messages that film's going to be, when's it, when's it being released? Well, it was released actually. It's, it's up right oh. now oh. on, on it's okay. I just sent you your own link, but oh. it is playing okay. right now on the more you channel on Plex network. Oh, so around the world, anyone watch can watch that it. Film. It's absolutely incredible. I, I've watched it twice now. I have to go back again. The speakers you have are just absolutely incredible. And how it all came together, just like, oh, you guys will come and talk about this stuff. And everybody says, yes. What is it about you? <laughs> <laughs> but that's the, that's the spark, right? Mm-hmm. And I think that when when we resonate with one another, these, these miracles can happen. And you know, this beautiful serendipity shows up in our life. And I feel like Cheryl, you just hit it 
when you were talking about, you know, I think the chapter in my book is the gift of surrender. Mm-hmm. Um, oh no, the duality. It's the duality of surrender because people think surrendering is waving the white flag or being a coward. And it takes tremendous courage to step into surrender where it's like, it doesn't have to be my way. My thing doesn't have to turn out just this way because there's something bigger than us and whatever it is that you call that, but it could be collective consciousness, it's higher power. And when we release it to that mind that can think so much grander than our limited self and our limited mind, doors open, miracles happen. It's phenomenal. And so I feel like that's what's so exciting is I'm hearing your story and I'm hearing the things you share. We each have that spark to contribute. That's Mm. essential. That's so important. And it sounds like your words have ignited so many people. And I love that you started with a blog. I think that's super inspirational and that's something that I want to do and I haven't done yet. Oh, yes. So I have got some stuff to learn from you. Um, for sure. I know I have a lot to learn from you, but that's just one of the things. Let, let's circle back though, to your book. Mm-hmm. Cause I'm really, I, I love the secondary title, the feeding and nurturing of life. Talk a little bit more about the secondary title and, and the themes around that. Mm, okay. So yeah, I, what I was, I have so many stories in there about situations you get into where surrender is required. I mean, when my mom got sick and, you know, she's like, I need you now. And we're, we're right here. <laughs> my sister and I kind of managed that as much as we could until it got to the point where we were trying to hold down jobs, spend the night at mom's house, taking turns, getting up all night with her and just all of a sudden looking at each other and saying, we, we can't keep doing this. We're exhausted. So we had to surrender to the idea we needed more help. We had to ask for more help. And I was thinking about that, like, our generation, I, I was kind of came into my adult years in the eighties. So don't, don't, don't do the math or anything, but <laughs> it was a radical time in the world, right? My generation, um, suddenly all these opportunities were opening up to women that we never had before, but we didn't have any maps, right? We were kind of going blind. It was like walking through a dark room. You don't know where the furniture is and right. You're going to get bruised. And I felt like that was happening. I kind of write about that in the book and in the introduction, you, you know, we, we were trying out new things that our mothers didn't do and our grandmothers didn't do. And then do, do you remember that? Ange- uh, you probably don't, but that Anjali uh, commercial that said, oh, I had it written down. I'm a woman that I can yeah. bring home the bacon. Fry yeah, it up, fried in, up the in the pan and, and never, never, never let you forget you're a man. <laughs> right. That terrorized an entire generation of yes. women. Like, and we found out we can't do it all. We cannot do it all. So we called on our mothers and our aunties and our grandmothers and our mm-hmm. sisters. And we were there for each other. I mean, I watched my sister's daughter for 10 years, right? We helped each other out. And then going back to the mom story and surrendering to that. I remember I was so tired. I was talking to one of my sons and he says, you know, mom, just hang in there. He says, you're going to look back and this is going to be your favorite time with your mom. And I said, I know, I know you're right. I'm just tired and I'm grouchy. And I, I don't know. I just feel like, you know, I, I, I'm ready to give up. And, but he was right because I look back on that time that we spent there with each other, sitting in the chair, not doing much, but just presence, just absolute presence while she was doing her work and I was doing mine as a daughter. And uh, I learned so much in those last 
few the last couple of years, but last few months, especially about just surrendering to what's happening in life and allowing, um, allowing death to occur and letting go of the things that we hang on so tightly in this life. Cause I think that's part of that process, watching my mom let go of every little thing she really, really wanted to hang on to until she's was ready to go. And it was, uh, and I write a little bit about that story in the book, mm. um, but yeah, surrendering sometimes to things you're not necessarily pleasant, but you learn so much from, and, and you look back on them and they're some of your most precious memories. Yeah. And so that's kind of all embedded <laughs> in the stories. I also wrote, wrote uh, one interesting one about 25 things. I wish I asked my parents before they passed away because my sister and I were sitting on a couch one morning talking to each other. We're like, well, what, what did our aunt say about that? And who, how did they meet? And, do you remember when mom and dad had their first kiss? Did we ever ask them about that? And all of a sudden we're like piecing everything together from what she knew, what I knew. And so I wrote a post about 25 things to talk about with your parents, not all at once, mind you. Uh, and there's a list of them in the book and every one of them are hard. I mean, when I took a look at those questions to answer myself, I would find them difficult, but they're a great jump off ground for you still, if you still have parents or aunts or people important to in your life, friends, um, cousins, whatever, and you want to know their stories, take a look at that list because it gives you all sorts of ideas to jump into and find out about before someone passes and you don't have the chance to, to talk to them. So I don't know if I'm answering your question. You not. are. And, and such, I mean, such a great idea, such a great idea to have those questions already thought out and to use that as a guide. Mm -hmm. And that's and, that yeah. and nurturing of life, right? That's where it mm -hmm. falls in, under that secondary title uh, is what I think I was trying to get around. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and all these things that you're speaking of, Cheryl, I mean, th those are the things that nurture and feed our lives. It might not feel like it at first when we're desperately clinging to something mm -hmm. and through the act of surrender, it seems like that is what, again, when we open that up, we're nourished and fed by things we never even knew were coming. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think especially reaching out and asking, I, it's a hard, I mean, I'd rather pull my fingernails out than ask for help. It's true. But over, over time, I've been worn down <laughs> and I realize when you reach out and ask for help, it's the greatest gift you can give the other person too, because they, then they know what to do to help you. And we want to help each other. But we just don't know what to do. Look at this Maui situation. There oh my are gosh. millions of people out here that want to help. How can I help? And it's, you know, it, it's like during a disaster or any even minor element in life, helping people know what they can do to help you is like vital. Go get me groceries, go, you know, go run to the cleaners, come over and do my laundry, water my garden, whatever it might be, like giving people tasks. And I know there's so many hearts out there that want to help out people in disasters like that. And, you know, like we can give money, but what can we actually do? You know, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. thank you so much for bringing this up, because I think it's such an essential message for people to hear mm -hmm. this thing of asking for help. It's reminding me, my daughter, just a couple of weeks ago, my oldest daughter said, wow, mom, you know, it's really hard for our family, you know, people in our family to ask for help. And I thought, oh, wow. And I had to really reflect on that. You know, I'm from a long line of very strong, I, I would say, of uh, matriarchy uh, with an extremely strong grandmother and mother, myself, my daughters, both my daughters, and really wanting to make sure that 
my girls hear from me that I've had to learn to ask for help and that we truly are interdependent beings. That's not codependent. We are interdependent. We need one another. Mm -hmm. And so it doesn't serve us to try to do everything by ourselves. And we just this weekend actually cleaned out. My parents had a rental, have a rental, but they've had this garage for 40 years that renters just kind of threw stuff in as they moved out. And it was always just too much to clean it out. Mm-hmm. And here my parents are 79 and 80. And I'm saying, you're not going to do this. They would not ask for help. So I rounded up sister, you know, my daughter's cousins, grandkids, everybody came over and we had the best time. I mean, we literally did. We're laughing and joking and people had brought food and all kinds of things to drink. And we just made it this positive, wonderful purging. And, you know, so it was an event instead Mm -hmm. of something that was a chore. And I think I said to my mother, I know you wouldn't, you know, I knew you wouldn't have asked. And so this is important. This is a really important message to pass down for all of us that there are times we really need help. They'd been trying to do that garage, I guess, for a really long time. It was just overwhelming. I mean, it was stacked to the ceiling, right? So it's like, guess what? The thing, many hands make light work and we're here to to hold each other's hands. I mean, I love Ram Das. You know, we're just walking each other home. We're Mm -hmm. here to hold hands as we do that. Yes, yes. Oh, what a, what a memory and a legacy. You just gave your daughters and nieces and grandchildren if they're there. I mean, what a beautiful legacy. Like let's all pull together and how much fun we did the same thing. My daughter moved into the house across the street and she lived with us for, with her and her three kids and her husband for about nine months during COVID as they were trying to get this house ready. But when they was time to move in, it was everybody aunts, cousins, grandparents, all like ants, just moving all their stuff from our garage into their (laughs) new place. And it did, it was so much fun. We were sitting in the driveway having pizza on the ground in the driveway, having pizza and Diet Pepsi and laughing about, you know, helping each other. It's just, and those memories you don't forget, but gosh, it gives your kids such a legacy to see that. Yeah. Wow, how beautiful. Yeah. Well, thank you. And, and, you know, how wonderful your examples And these books, you know, I I feel like this book then becomes a legacy. How lovely that it's shared with your family and yet it's shared also with the world. And that's part of the joy of this, you know, igniting the sparks in each other. So Cheryl, I can't believe that, that we are already, this has gone by so fast. And first of all, how can people get your book and how can people contact you? Oh, okay. Uh, good question. Uh, the book's on Amazon, Barnes and Noble, like just about any place uh, you would normally buy a book. You can also uh, get it through Black Rose Writing, which is the publisher, but I think it's on sale right now on Amazon. So it might, that's kind of a good time. And um, let's see, get a hold of me. I have a blog. It's called Living in the Gap. And the, uh, the, the link to that is just my name, Cheryl Aurelia.blog. Sure. In fact, you could just put me in the browser, Cheryl Aurelia, and the blog will pop up, the book will pop up, and, and it'll uh, populate that. So I'd love to hear from anybody. And my email is always in there. It's Cheryl Aurelia, everything Cheryl Aurelia, at AOL.com. And I don't want to hear any any noise about the fact that I'm still on <laughs> I am. But 
write me a note. I'd love to hear from you. I respond to everyone. So yeah. wonderful. Just for you folks, her last name is spelled Aurelia is spelled O-R-E-G-L-I-A. So Cheryl Aurelia and so thrilled to have you here. What, what Cheryl is the essential message that you want to leave with the audience today? I write this one message in the book that I always, that always kind of gets me because it kind of sums everything up and it, it's um, let's not bloom where we are planted. Let's shatter the damn pot. And that's the message. <laughs> I love that. I just got the chills from head to toe. Oh, <laughs> truly, truly. That is awesome. Cheryl, thank you so much for being here with us and sharing all your just beautiful light and wisdom. So happy to have you here. Thank you. Oh, thank you. Thank you for having me. I have enjoyed getting to know you. It's just been absolutely lovely. So thank you so much for reaching out. I so appreciate it. You have been listening to Igniting the Spark with Stephanie James. Thank you for listening. You can find us on all podcast platforms. Make sure you subscribe and receive every episode. For more information about this show, my books, films, and events, go to stephaniejames.world and ignite your best life. Do you want to deepen your connection to the divine, speed up your progress on the spiritual path, then tune in to the Spirit Matters podcast. I'm the host, Philip Goldberg, and I interview experts with wisdom, insight, and practical guidance for every seeker of truth. Spirit Matters on the mindbodyspirit.fm network. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.